Section 22 of The End of the Middle Age, 1273-1453 by Eleanor Constance Lodge. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 11. The Shores of the Baltic, Part 2. A close connection was always maintained between these foreign settlements and the home towns, for merchants did not stay permanently abroad, but were constantly going and coming, and eventually the Hansas in foreign lands and the large towns with their guilds or Hansas at home formed themselves into a league for trading purposes, which has become famous in history as the Hanseatic League, and which developed into a great political as well as trading power. This league did not appear suddenly at a single moment. It was formed, bit by bit, as one town after another was induced to ally with the rest, until at last all the chief cities of North Germany and the trading settlements of Germans on Baltic shores and in more distant lands were members of this vast association and acquired the name of Hanse Towns. The origin of this union probably came from the alliance of Lübeck and Hamburg, the leading town on the Baltic and the leading town on the North Sea. A glance at the map will show how important was the position occupied by these two. The best way for goods to pass from one sea to the other was either round the Danish peninsula by water through the narrow passage of the Sound, or if the Danes hindered this passage, by land from Lübeck to Hamburg. Thus it was very necessary for these places to be in touch with one another, and they joined for mutual protection of the roads between the two. Lübeck had already made herself a great power in the Baltic, where other towns had agreed to adopt her code of trading laws, and meetings for common purposes were held from time to time within her walls. With the formation of the one Hansa in London, a further impulse was given to the union of German traders on both seas, and the League grew rapidly in size and importance, the fourteenth century being the period when it was most numerous, most powerful, and most definitely organized. Cologne, Lübeck, and Visby each formed the center of a group of towns, of which some of the chief were Bremen on the Weser, Hamburg on the Elbe, Wiesmar, Rostock, Strausund and Greifswald on the western shore of the Baltic, Elbing, Danzig, Thorn and Königsberg in the neighborhood of the Vistula and Riga on the Dwina, together with the important foreign depots already mentioned in London, Bergen, Bruges, and Novgorod. In its struggle for commercial supremacy, the chief danger which the Hanseatic League had to face was the rivalry of Denmark, and this became particularly acute after Valdemar Atadag ascended the throne in 1340. Through all the early portion of this period, the three Scandinavian kingdoms of Norway, Sweden, and Denmark were under separate monarchs. The crown in each was elective, though the choice was generally made from amongst the nearest heirs of the reigning family, and there was a good deal of power in the hands of the people in all three states. Denmark, on the whole, had been the most advanced of the three, and above all, she had great geographical importance, commanding as she did the waterway from the Baltic to the North Sea, especially when Scania, the southern portion of the Swedish peninsula, was in her hands. 
Before the reign of Waldemar, however, Denmark had been going through a period of decline. The nobles had rebelled and deprived the crown of almost all its power, and Magnus of Sweden had gained the province of Scania, and with his son Hakon on the throne of Norway, threatened to become the leading power in the north. All this had been very profitable to the Hanse towns, who had bought valuable fishing rights from the Danish king, and who were combining for the defense of trade routes on their own account. With the accession of Valdemar, however, 1340-1375, things were changed. He was a man of great vigor, great unscrupulousness, and iron determination. The name Atterdog was given to him because he was so fond of saying, I morgen erdat Atterdog, the day will return tomorrow, meaning that if he could not accomplish his purpose one day, it should be done the next, and his people complained that during his reign no one had time to eat, sleep, or rest. At first the towns did not realize the danger which threatened them from Valdemar's energetic conquest of Danish dominions, not even when he won back Scania from Sweden. But in 1361 they had a rude awakening. King Valdemar of Denmark collected a great army and said unto them that he would lead them whither there was gold and silver enough and where the pigs eat out of silver troughs, and he led them to Gotland and made many knights in that land and struck down many people because the peasants were unarmed and unused to warfare. It was the rich town of Visby which had excited his envy. He is said to have gone in disguise to the place and won the love of a goldsmith's daughter, who revealed to him all the defenses of the city and all the treasure stores. Whether he gained his knowledge by such means or no, he certainly sacked and plundered the town and sailed away laden with booty, 1361. Little good did he get, however, from his spoils, since they were all sunk in mid-ocean in a storm which nearly cost him his own life. This high-handed action raised up an unexpected enemy, for not only did Sweden and Norway take up arms, but the Hanse towns combined in their first alliance for warlike purposes and raised a fleet to fall upon the treacherous Dane. Wittenborg, the burgomaster of Lübeck, commanded the ships of the League, and when after some brilliant successes he sustained a serious defeat, his town flung him into a prison from which he was only brought for public execution, his head was cut off in the marketplace of Lübeck, for failure was sternly punished in those days. The first Danish war was ended by a peace which granted freedom of commerce through the Sound and fishing rights to the Hanseatic League, but Valdemar did not keep his promises, and the towns once more combined in defense of their privileges. In 1367, a large meeting was held in the town hall or Hansa room of Cologne, and 77 towns proclaimed, because of the wrongs and injuries done by the king of Denmark to the common German merchant, the cities will be his enemies and help one another faithfully. Valdemar despised his enemies and answered by a letter in rhyme little calculated to soothe their feelings. One verse runs, If seventy-seven ganders come cackling, come cackling at me, if seventy-seven hansers come crowing, come crowing at me, do you think I care two stivers? Not I. I care not two stivers. The war which followed resulted 
in the complete triumph of the League and the Treaty of Stralsund, which ended it, marks the high-water mark of Hanseatic power, and established the towns as a real political force in the north, 1370. Not only were trading rights granted, but all the strongholds of Scania were put into the hands of the League, which could thus command the passage of the Sound and control the fisheries. Finally, no king was in future to ascend the Danish throne, except with the consent of the towns, whose privileges he was to confirm. Meanwhile, Valdemar had been more successful in his relations with Sweden. Her king Magnus was a very feeble character, and Valdemar married his daughter Margaret to Hoakun of Norway, the son of Magnus, thus opening a way to great future possibilities. In 1375, on the death of Valdemar, the Danes, with the consent of the Hanseatic League, chose Olaf, a little boy of five years old, son of his daughter Margaret, as their king. And in 1380, the death of Hoakun put him on the throne of Norway also, whilst his mother was real ruler of both kingdoms. Margaret was a woman of great character and ability, and so successful was her rule as regent that when her young son died in 1387, Denmark and Norway both chose her as their sovereign, 1387 to 1412. Sweden was not long in following their example. Magnus had made himself so unpopular that in 1363 the Swedish nobles had revolted and offered the crown to his nephew, Albert of Mecklenburg, who had imprisoned his rival and put himself in his place. The new ruler was not in the end more satisfactory than the old, and a party of his discontented subjects now turned for help to Margaret of Denmark and Norway. Nothing was better suited to the wishes of the ambitious queen. She sent an army which completely defeated the German troops of King Albert, and imprisoning her rival, Margaret undertook the rule of the Swedish kingdom and was as successful there as in her other dominions. 1389 to 1412. In 1397, an agreement known as the Union of Kalmar was drawn up by the councils of the three Scandinavian kingdoms, by which it was decreed that they should always be united under the same ruler, although each state should keep its own laws and constitutions unchanged. Margaret had adopted Eric of Pomerania, her nephew, as heir in her three dominions and it was also laid down that successors should always be elected from amongst his descendants. This Scandinavian union might have been a considerable danger to the Hanseatic League, but as a matter of fact it was not very durable. Margaret ruled ably and firmly, but Eric was but a feeble successor. Denmark and Norway remained united until the 19th century, but the Swedes began very soon to rebel against the connection and chose rulers of their own, even before our period is over, although the permanent severance was not effected until later. The Hanse towns, however, had other dangers to face, and were past the height of their power by the 15th century. Their decline was due rather to dissensions within than to enemies without. Rivalry began between the towns on the North Sea and the towns on the Baltic, and despite the strong position gained by the latter in their struggle with Denmark, they were no longer able to maintain their supremacy. This was not entirely their own fault, but partly that of the herring. 
for some mysterious reason the shoals of these fish which had so long frequented the baltic and particularly the coast of scania removed themselves almost entirely to the shores of holland and thus helped to found the importance of the towns of the low countries amsterdam it has been said was built upon herrings what was begun by the herring was completed by geographical discoveries and when new trade routes were opened through the larger oceans the baltic ceased to occupy the position of importance which had been hers in the middle ages End of section twenty two